0: So as you know, uh, I was on vacation the last couple of weeks, and one of the places that uh, Wendy and I went to was uh, Pompeii in Italy. And so interesting in that, you know, if you had gone there a couple hundred years ago, you'd be walking on fields, uh, you know, farm fields, and everything would have looked just like everywhere else, but uh, but several meters underneath your feet would actually be a whole town, a whole town that was covered in volcanic ash in 79 AD. So for over a thousand years, people were walking and below them were whole houses, whole towns. Put those slides up, please. Um, next slide. Uh, yeah, so like whole towns are underneath this ash, uh, even houses so that it was preserved. Uh, even the... Um, The frescoes, the mosaics, all of that was deep underneath. And uh, so much so that now um, they've even an amphitheater was under all of this ash. So that even now, um, they're still uncovering things. They're still uncovering artifacts. They're still uncovering um, graves. And just to think that. You know, before that, people were walking above, totally unaware of the the massive treasure trove of history and artifacts under their feet. One of the other things that Wendy and I enjoyed on our vacation was that um, we uh, saw the sunset. I mean, excuse me, the sunrise. Well, we saw the sunset, but we also saw the sunrise on a couple of occasions. And the thing about that always strikes me about the sun is that it's kind of dark and the sun even when the the earth is turned away from the sun the sun is affecting everything on earth. You can't see it, but there is a power there that makes life on earth possible. That makes all the climate possible. And so when you see the sunrise it's almost like what is hidden and true but that is, it transcends the earth, it, it comes up, and you see that, right? So whether it's bear, something is buried or something is hidden and made known, there are these times in our life, um, and Oz Guinness calls them um, signals of transcendence. And uh, Dr. Cashin talked about this, where we see something like the sun rising, and it reminds us it calls us to something bigger than what we're seeing the glory if if the sun is glorious and bright and it makes life possible on the earth then how much more so the one who made the sun who causes the sun to rise so many times in our life we get one of those signals of transcendence where we see the 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 curtain of reality is pulled back and, and we see the glory, we see the eternal, we see the truth, we see the magnificent behind what we can see. And it calls us, deep calls to deep. It calls us to that truth, that eternity, that transcendent truth that's behind everything. And Perhaps you've experienced that sometime in your life. I think everyone does experience it sometime where we get this deep sense of there's something more than what I'm seeing. And again, sometimes in, in life, God pulls back the curtain and we see it clearly. And that's what happens with the disciples in our scripture reading. Three of Jesus' inner disciples, they got a taste of Jesus' true glory on that mountaintop. And I think the question for us is, all right, how do we, how do, as followers of Jesus, how do we carry the truth of that glory that sometimes is obscured, but it's true and it's there all the time? How do we carry it into the day-to-day things of our life when sometimes we are overwhelmed with suffering? Sometimes our circumstances aren't very glorious, aren't very bright, but how do we walk in faith in the glory that's behind all things? Our scripture gives us some insight into that. I'm so grateful for Timothy reading our scripture, but in order to understand the scripture, what do we need, folks? Context. Context. Beautiful. I'm glad you didn't forget it, even though I've been gone for two weeks. Um, Context. Yes, some churches say amen. We say context. We also also say amen. It's true. Uh, But we like to add the context one, too. well, the context goes to, and Pastor Peter preached on this a couple weeks ago, where uh, Matthew chapter 16, Peter's confession of faith, the Apostle Peter, uh, Jesus says, you know, who do people say that I am, or who do you say that I am? And the Apostle Peter, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that is a correct answer, and Jesus says, yes, God, you know, that, that is exactly right, It's in fact, that's been revealed to you by God, Peter, he's on a high point, uh, and, and all of that. But then uh, Jesus says to Peter, okay, you are correct, he says to his disciples, but let me tell you what that means. Because they're thinking, you're the Christ, the Son of God. So that means you're going to destroy the Romans. That means everything's going to be, you know, unicorns and rainbows from now on. And Jesus says, Yes, I am the Christ. You have answered correctly. But let me tell you what that means. That means that the Son of Man, that the Christ, is going to go and be delivered into the hands of evil men and he's going to suffer and die. He's going to be crucified. And Peter. Says, oh no, may it never be, Lord. He actually rebukes Jesus. So now, one minute, Peter is, you know, receiving revelation from God, and the next minute, Jesus is calling Peter Satan. He's like, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have the things of God on your mind, but the things of man. That's the context here. And I think it's important because glory and suffering in the kingdom of God. You know, before Jesus returns, glory and suffering sometimes go hand in hand. That in fact, sometimes it's through the suffering that then on the other side is glory. And that's why in our passage, I think Jesus gives these inner disciples a taste of his glory because his ministry is now turning towards the cross. In Matthew's gospel, after Peter's confession of faith, now things take a turn, and now it's getting like Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem and he's going to give his life. And so he wants his disciples to have a little taste of the glory that's going to remain even when he's on the cross. So that's the context. And in that context, verse 1 through 9, he brings the three up to the mountain. And on that mountain, Jesus, his appearance is transformed. Again, the curtain is pulled back on Jesus' divine identity, and they see his glory, a radiant presence, the the glory presence of God. And Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. And in Peter, he's overwhelmed with this vision, and, and he wants to make the moment last Uh, And so he says, I'll build some shelters. I'll build a tent for for you, Elijah and and Moses. But I think one of the things we need to learn here is that Peter, he really can't add anything to this moment. (laughs) He wants to, but no, he just needs to listen. He is there to soak in and to understand and receive who Jesus is in his glory. And he ends up listening because a heavenly voice comes and knocks him down, right? The, the heavenly voice says, actually repeats exactly what is in Matthew 3, 17. And again, this is one of the reasons we go through books of the Bible. It's helpful because you may have remembered when Timothy read the, the voice from heaven sa- saying that this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You might have thought, wait, God said that in Matthew three seventeen at Jesus' baptism. So at the beginning of his ministry, God confirms and says, yes, this is my son. This is his ministry. I'm well pleased with what he's doing. And now as Jesus' ministry takes a turn, as he's starting to go to the cross, nothing's changed. He is still God's beloved son. God is still well pleased with him. But the only thing that's different here is then God adds, listen to him. It's... And, and why? Why, do, why this theophany? Why this expression of God's glory? Well, I mean, I think it's necessary. Because as the last section showed, Peter rebuked Jesus for saying that he must suffer. Because this idea of a suffering Messiah, it didn't make sense to Peter. It didn't make sense to a lot of folks. But the Messiah was now heading towards the cross. But the circumstances... Do not change the underlying truth of God's glory in Jesus. That's what they need to understand. God's glory, Jesus' glory, who he is, it's not going to change even when he's hanging on the cross. You know, sometimes we we had some thunderstorms last night. We've been having some thunderstorms, right? They're pretty scary. Well, sometimes those, those, um, thunderclouds, that lightning storm, it comes, but it obscures the sun, but the sun's still there. The sun's still behind the clouds. And in fact, without the sun, the clouds wouldn't even have come. And so many times in our lives, the, the storm clouds obscure God's glory, but it is there affecting all the earth so the disciples they must continue to listen to jesus even as things take a turn even as the storm clouds of crucifixion build and so that voice it terrifies them they fall on the ground in worship and when they open their eyes only jesus is there and now he's not glowing he's in like they're used to seeing his just plain jesus And as their journey turned towards the suffering of the cross, the disciples, they get a taste of Jesus' true glory. But if they had paid attention, and I think they did, but sometimes they forgot, Jesus' glory shined through many other times. And in fact, the Gospel of John, when it refers to Jesus' miracles and some of his teaching, it says that these are his signs. Meaning these are things that reveal his glory that point to who he truly is. And so if they had paid attention, every miracle Jesus did, every teaching that he spoke also was pulling back the veil to show Jesus' glory. Now, for time's sake, I'm going to skip over 10 through 13, but they basically don't understand. They start asking questions about Elijah, can't get into that, like, hey, why didn't Elijah come? Jesus says, well, a type of Elijah came. I'm going to skip that section for time purposes. But um, after, they're coming down the mountain, after this experience of God's glory, and Jesus and the three, they return to the rest of the disciples, and they have been, the disciples have been struggling, They had been struggling to live out the kingdom glory that we just saw in the transfiguration because they were unable to heal this boy who was possessed by a demon. And the father of this child runs up to Jesus and begs Jesus to help his boy. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son. And as as Timothy read, Jesus, he's disappointed with his disciples whose faith was not grown to the point where that they trust that they can do anything that Jesus has given them authority to. So they are right in thinking, wait, I can't do this because they can't in their own power. But they were wrong to think, wait, Jesus, he told me to do it. And if the glory... That is behind the mountains. If the glory that made the mountains that can move the mountains told me to do something, then I can do it. Even if it's impossible, that's what they were struggling with. And again, these disciples were like, well, they didn't see the transfiguration. So, well, but remember, they saw Jesus walk on water. They seen Jesus glory. They've seen, heard his teachings. They saw how he fulfilled prophecy So this is faith, not just in what our eyes see, but a faith that behind what is visible, there is a glory that moves mountains. And that glory is named Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And that's why Jesus was disappointed. Because remember, and again, this is why it's so good to go through a book of the Bible. Do you remember Jesus actually gave them authority back, I believe it in Matthew 10, where Jesus said to them, all right, you've seen me cast out demons. You've seen me heal people. Now I give you that authority and I send you out to do the same thing in my name. So it's not like they were wondering, well, does Jesus want me to do this or not? No, he had already given them that power and authority but yet their faith was not yet strong enough to see past the earthly layer of sickness, of circumstance, even of their own weakness. Now, if I put myself in their position, I definitely can relate. And I do the same type of thing where perhaps some of the the disciples thought, you know, I've been walking all day. I've got blisters on my feet that... They're not even any better. My stomach is empty. I can't even help myself. And now I'm supposed to heal this kid? See, they forgot the glimpses of Jesus' glory behind all that. They didn't trust the glory that said, I want you to do what I'm doing. I give you the authority and power to do these things. So yes, the disciples were right in thinking they couldn't do this in their own power because they couldn't. But faith is not faith in my ability. It's not faith in in me. It's not even faith in my faith. It's faith in the glory that moves mountains. And that if he says it, it's done because nothing's impossible with God. There's a lot that's impossible with me in my own power, but nothing is impossible with God. And it's also, again, not faith in our faith. Some people whip themselves up as if it's their faith that's going to do something, but really it's faith in God. It's not faith in our faith. It's faith in the God who does this. Do you see how important that difference is? And that's, we, we have the same type of struggles. We must learn that same type of lesson as we apply this scripture to our lives. And so as we take a step back, I've kind of unpacked the scripture. Again, not, not, not fully, but again, this is a, another good thing about going through the books of the Bible. If you're like, hey, Pastor Joe didn't treat this too much. Well, go read it again, right? Read the context. Dig deeply, and God will give you um, even more. So, but, but how to apply this? Well first I want to ask you a question those here those online I mean have you ever gotten a taste of God's glory have you ever had that signal of transcendence that's it's meant to point you to the greater glory behind the reality that we see again like a sunrise where, again, you're seeing that sunrise and there is this sense in you that you know there's more to life than what you're seeing. Or, or even hearing the gospel. You know, when I was uh, at a place where I could hear the gospel, so in other words, I, I was in the army, I was away from everything I knew, and I remember then the, the the preacher saying the gospel clearly, that Jesus died for your sins, and it's about what he has done and what he has not done. And there was a glory in those words. And I use those, that problem because in Hebrew, the word for glory is kavod. It's, it means heaviness, that there's a weightiness to those words. Whereas he spoke the gospel, I knew that... There's more to the, th- these are not just words. There's a truth behind those things. And it caused my heart to just leap and say, that's what I want that. There's more to life. And it's that I want that glory. I want to experience that. So it's not just miracles. It's not just bright lights. It's the, it's in the word of God because it's from God. It's because it's from that glory that we also get that sense or again, maybe it's at the birth of a child where there's this deep call to eternal life at this new life. Or maybe it's at a death. There is a pulling back of the curtain of reality where you see something more. You, There's something eternal. There's something marvelous beneath. That's the, and that calls us to glory. And so if you're here or if you're watching, then I... I trust that you have felt that. And maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that is why you're watching. And all I can say to you is that keep saying yes. Keep seeking. Keep tasting. Because you're trying to um, uh, get closer to that glory, to understand it more. That's exactly what these glimpses of glory are meant to be. It's, it's It's in and of itself. It's a pointer to point us to seek out God, to the, the, the author and finisher of our faith, as Hebrews 12 talks about from our VBS uh, this week. So keep pressing in. Keep seeking. Now, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, who are following Jesus, who understand we have a glimpse of his glory, we trust in him. For us, it's the challenge Because life is a mountaintop where often we get glimpses of God's glory, we see the wonderfulness of Christ, but it's mixed in with suffering. It's mixed in with doubts of the day to day. And like the disciples, we often fail to integrate God's glory and our faith in that glory into the situations of our lives where there's pain, where there's demons where there's doubts, where there's resistance. And so how do we do that? How do we go from just tasting and seeing that glory to stepping out into it and, 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 and it changing our lives and, and making a, a difference in our day-to-day life? Well, very quickly, I think one is look at Peter's example in that, it's a bad example, in that don't manipulate <laughs> Don't try to control uh, God's glory. Uh, Peter, he saw this. He wanted to make the moment last. He's like, oh, let me build some shelters. What do I need to do? He's trying to control the situation. But again, God, he is the glory behind all things. You can't control him. You just receive from him. Like the sun, when you see the sun and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I want to keep the sun up in the sky. You can't control that. Nor can you. we control God. And so one of the first steps is be having a humble posture of receiving. Instead of, oh, I gotta do this sacrifice, I gotta do this sacrifice, I gotta do this and do this and build this. It's more of God, you have what I need. You are the great glory behind all things. There's nothing I can give you, but I just stand and want to receive from you. Reminds me of Ecclesiastes five, one through two, when I read about what Peter said. And often what I say, I think of Ecclesiastes 5. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few." I think that scripture really speaks to this humble posture where it's, it's just saying, God, you know, I'm ready to receive. I want more. Um, I've tasted who you are. I've tasted and, and seen your glory. And, and God, I just want more. So that's the first is a heart, kind of humble heart of receiving instead of a doing heart. And then the next step on that though, would be asking ourselves: Do we put ourselves in a place where we can receive more? <laughs> now, I want to con- sort of commend you in that you're here or you're watching online, well, because you're putting yourself in a place to experience God's glory more. Because when the church gathers together, when we sing worship songs, when we pray for one another, that those are those occasions where often God pulls back the curtain. And we see his glory, where we feel, whether it's through the song, whether it's through the scriptures or whatever, where we experience God's presence. And so the question is, are we putting ourselves in those places to receive from God? Part of it's gathering together. Another part is sitting with the scriptures, having a time margins in your life where you're not just running from thing to thing, but you have margins in your life where you can stop. You could wake up early, watch the sunrise, and just bask in God's glory. But so many times we are running from distraction to distraction that we aren't in a place to receive. And so are we putting ourselves in that place? When... You know when we woke up early when I we were on vacation, Wendy was. Uh, I was in the room and Wendy was you know looking out over the ocean and she said, "Hey, the sun is rising." She had put herself on the balcony, the place where she was prepared to see the sunrise. We have to do the same. It's yes, it's about receiving. It's not what we can do for God, but what he has done for us. But there is a part that we play, and that's getting out on the balcony. That's putting ourselves in a place where we're ready to receive. Because life is difficult, that this world, until Jesus comes back, this world is a mixture. Already, not yet. Already the kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully consummated. So that in the mix of seeing God's glory, experiencing it, there's still hardship. The disciples learned that although they learned to walk with Jesus, they uh, and, and saw miracles and tasted of God's glory. Every one of them, other than John, were killed for their faith. God's glory was not um, any less God's glory when they were being killed. Just like God's glory was no less God's glory when Jesus, his son, was hanging from the cross. Because in this world, there's a mixture But Christian, as in our life of faith, a part of our faith walk is not just living by what we see, not just living by these earthly things, but living in the truth and understanding that they're in the glory behind all creation. In the glory that is Jesus, in the glory that did not consider his glory something to be clung to, but he emptied himself and made himself nothing on the cross. And even in that, there was a crying out of God's glory. Will we trust in that? Will we walk in that? Will we put ourselves in the places we need to be to receive and to get a glimpse of God's glory so that when we go through the difficulties of life, we're not living by circumstance, we're not living by what we see, but we're living in the truth of the glory of God that has made all things possible, life now and eternal life. Let's pray. Join me in prayer. Dear God, um, as we are here today, we're so hungry for more of you. We thank you that you have called us, Lord, out of your mercy. From your mercy, Lord, you've called us to yourself. You've given us a taste of who you are. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move about this sanctuary, that we would experience you afresh, that we would know. No, it wouldn't be based on emotionalism it wouldn't be based on what we're seeing it would be based on who you are what you've done it'd be based on your word be based on your good news and we would draw closer to you but Lord there are some here who are going through difficulties Lord who the, your glory is obscured behind a thundercloud